With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Hello and welcome to this week's Gameplay Pod. It's Gameplay's turn on the main feed this week, so welcome everyone. We're going to get into diagnosing defensive issues, playing a high press, how to defend a high press, and revelations around jockeying, plus some very fun and effective things to add into your game. I'm your host, Ben. You're listening to the Foot Weekly Podcast, and it's brought to you by our supporters. Your guests this week are market and trading expert, I'm a duck quack, the YouTube legend, Air Japes FIFA, and the foot coach, aka Steve Stokes. I started by asking Duck to expand on the frustrations he'd shared about gameplay on Twitter over the weekend. When I tweeted out, it was obviously in anger at the same time is like whenever anyone moans about the game it's after a loss or it's after something hasn't gone your way you're never Mm. like coming off a perfect gameplay game and then just going oh my god that gameplay was trash so you've got to take it with a pinch of salt but the whole park the bus or whatever it is meta that people are using it's very very hard to break down it's like a go-to player i'm not fantastic at skill moves or anything like that so I like to work space. I don't abuse counterattacks or down the wing. But by playing in that kind of way, if I come up against someone who is zero depth drop back, I honestly really, really struggled. And I, I ended up with like 80% possession, but then losing the game to a counterattack because I just, mm. I couldn't create. And this is something I always ask everyone who is struggling with this. So I'll ask you as well. What, what centre-backs are you using? What chemistry styles do they have on them? I play three at the back formation. Mm-hmm. So I've got Klosterman, I have mm-hmm. got Inform Upamincano, and I've got Red Joe Gomez. Mm. And oh, nice, Red Joe Gomez. Yeah, I got really lucky. And uh, do they all have shadow on them? They've all got shadow on them. Okay, that's good. So you're, you're part of the way there. And I'm guessing Upamincano is in the middle, right? Um, no, Klosterman's in the middle. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah that, might, that uh, might be I'd worth it. Really? Yeah, because you want the fastest players yeah, outside. Yeah, Klosterman, Klosterman is basically uh, 
uh, I'd call him like an outside back marauding as a center back in this FIFA. I mean, he started his career as like a right back and that's not to say that he's not transitioned to a center back now. And certainly he has the size to play center back in FIFA, but he doesn't have the bulky kind of like spidery leg thing that some of your bigger frame CBs have. Like Upa Meccano is a larger frame CB. He's also the slowest of the bunch. And generally speaking in a three back, you want to play the slowest of the bunch in the middle. Oh, okay, cool. I'll switch those around and try that. Mm. I would say like using Upa Meccano, if I remember correctly, he has really low defensive awareness so his marking out wide is actually going to be really suspect as well and so you want to keep him in the middle of the park where he's focusing more on his interception stat rather than trying to track any potential like striker that might be out wide or you know left wing right wing that might be out on his side yeah that's true and so if you're playing at a three back the marking stat for the cbs along with pace is more important than in a traditional four back setup. So something just to take into consideration there as well. I'd never even considered that. From what you've described there, it doesn't sound like the personnel are necessarily the problem. So what I'm wondering, what I'd like to ask you is how do you actually respond when you when your opponent is launching a counterattack? What's what's your sort of defensive style? How do you react? See, I play with kind of high depth. I think it's seven or eight I have. So if I make a mistake and a lot of the time I do make mistakes in the counter so I do know that is my fault as well when I change to a center back the initial movement of my analog stick is always towards the ball if I get one player out of position I'm in trouble but uh, I think it's the issue of the counter attacks they're straight away on me with uh, at worst case scenario for them it's a three on three that they've basically got there so I, I can't make a single mistake and the pace of the attackers that people use these days, it's just, it is too much for the majority of centre-backs to keep up with, I find. Defending counter-attacks is all about getting numbers behind the ball and just slowing down the counter-attack so that your other players can make recovery runs and get back to affect it. So when you are on the receiving end of a, of a counter-attack, there is nothing more important than having your left stick pointed back towards your goal. Absolutely crucial. Yeah, that's definitely something I need to work on. I'll, I'll caveat that, that with I'm a wildly aggressive defender. But with that said, I think there are situations, depending on the formation that you're playing, where you can just nip the counterattack right away and keep the keep the press on. And like when you're just running and angling your stick back to get numbers behind the ball, you're also allowing them a lot of free space to run, putting you under additional pressure. And so sometimes it makes sense to just try to attack the player when they're trying to make their first turn after the strikers receive the ball. A caveat that with like you have to be a pretty you have to be a pretty good defender in the sense that you have to understand if you were your opponent and they were trying to a counterattack you, how would they be trying to set that counterattack up? Which way would they turn? What passes are they gonna look for? Because oftentimes when someone's counterattacking you, they're counterattacking you with two, maybe three players. And if they only have one other player, if it's just two players up there, they either are going to turn to make a pass to that other player or they are going to turn and try to run into open space. But usually, like the best counterattackers will play a ball to their striker and then play it back to a central midfielder that's then decided to start pressing forward. But most players don't do that. They try to play a combo play between their strikers or between their strikers and an attacking mid and just keep going forward looking for an over-the-top through ball. So if you think through the possibilities that they have and learn to kind of like read slash bait passes, then you can nip a lot of those counters before they even get started. 
Yeah, that's funny because actually what I do is essentially a hybrid of both, which kind of makes sense uh, considering I guess I'm in between, you know, gold two and elite one in terms of my ability. And what I would do is if the opportunity is there, I'll try and press and maybe flick on team press to try and get the ball back if it's an area which I think I can do that in. But often, as actually Mr. Aubrey, I think, said on the podcast the other week, just grabbing a centre back and running them back towards your goal so that they're already running in the same direction as that Rodrigo who's going to go in behind your defence. That can help a lot as well. So I think they're both really good points. One thing I wanted to say though, and it's I'm always one to come back to personnel. I do think that Upamecano with Shadow at 81 acceleration and 73 reactions is just not enough. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I So I bought, and Duck, you'll remember this, I bought Upamecano for like 35K for very early on in FIFA. <laughs> Being like, I think he's going to go up in price. And I didn't, I you know, I sold him at like 90K and now he's like... I don't know. He's like wildly, wildly expensive. I think he's he was over 200K last I saw. But for me, he is just a classic example of an overhyped card because of his like long-term potential in many ways. But when I look at center backs, I'm looking at Opamecano going, mm, you have 72 composure, 73 reactions. The people that have, I've seen have a lot of success with Upamecano are manually controlling him the vast majority of the time because then you can take advantage of his high standing tackle, which is mm. and his strength and aggression, which is where he shines. But if you are relying on the AI to do a decent amount of defending for you or help you out in defending, Upamecano is not going to be as useful as some players that have you know, uh, higher stats in some of those key areas. That's the style I play with as well, though. I, I don't let the AI do anything for me usually. So mm. Upper Meccano is, for me personally, outshine Joe Gomez. I, I get that, but I, you, you're playing him as a wide centre-back and with 81 acceleration... He, that could be why I'm conceding quite a lot as well. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's going to be really difficult when you come up against a winger who can just easily go by him out wide. If you move him to the centre, it will help. But for me, three at the back is a great opportunity to play a four at the back and then move a left back or right back into centre back. And they're always really quick. And I used Alfonso Davies with Sentinel at centre back and in a back three. And he was so, so good. I mean, you know, he's got the pace already. As soon as you boost the defending and the physical, he becomes, you know, honestly, like he was as good as Joe Gomez and, and Carl Walker. I was also playing at centre-back. So there's there's plenty of options out there. And I think if you're playing like a three at the back or if you want to play possession, you have to have centre-backs who are the fastest on the game, I would say. Duck, here's the other question that I'll ask. What depth do you usually play on? Uh, a seven or eight depth. Okay. So you're doing a lot of chasing, yes. which is definitely indicative. And what defensive style defensive style is pressure on heavy touch the width is four and the depth is six at the moment actually okay so i would consider bumping are you playing three five two yeah i would consider bumping that width by a little bit just with how this game plays i think it's you're asking the the left mid and right mid are pretty prone to allow players to get in behind them and by playing a super super well, four is not super narrow, but by playing a pretty narrow back line, you're offering a lot of space out wide that your defenders are having to chase for. So I'd consider bumping that width a little bit. Pressure on heavy touch with a three back is an interesting one for me as well, because oftentimes it's prone to create one-on-one -on -one defensive opportunities at 
inappropriate times. And what I mean by that is your opponent's building up and their their CM, they're playing a 4-1-2-1-2 narrow, right? And they've tried to run a counterattack maybe and they passed it back to the CM and the CM takes a kind of wild touch and the AI kicks in and tells you to pressure on heavy touch. And what that means is all of your back line now is going to go glue to an individual attacking player, yep. oftentimes pressing up, which allows yep. them to play easy through balls in behind. And it's going to create these weird unpredictable sequences where you're like your team decides to press and they really shouldn't have been pressing in that moment. So you'd be better off probably even you could potentially play an even higher line play on balanced. Or if you're truly conceding like a lot in behind you, if you're playing on seven or eight depth, but you're using the drop back tactic, your, your AI is by default going to use, do what Steve is telling you to do, which is basically just run straight backwards and get in position. Then like set up defensively, which is one of the ways that I I think the three five two shines because if you do get your team set up well defensively, you create a lot of congestion and a lot of problems. Jopes's point on with press on heavy touch there is excellent. Concur with that a hundred percent. And I'd also add that people are quite often using team press now. If you've got team press turned on, the moment that you think that you're susceptible to a counterattack, make sure you turn it off because otherwise, exactly the same thing is going to happen. And just a, another couple of quick things I, I throw in there that may help as well. It's always useful to have your goalkeeper set to play sweeper keeper so that he can come out and address long balls in behind. And it also may be worth considering setting your centre mids to cover the wing. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one because one of the things that I actually found really useful playing through at the back, I've been using Mr. Aubrey's tactics and he has one of the CDMs on get forward. And it sounds a little bit like you're going to expose yourself there. And it, it does to an extent, but you do have the right mid, left mid on come back. But actually what it does, which defensively is quite underrated, is it means that the CDM that's not on get forward really does just sit there and hold the central area. And I think one of the problems you have is that you end up with your back three and CDMs taking up slightly different defensive shape every time you defend and actually one of the things that's really underrated is having that consistency in your defensive shape so you know you've got that one cdm there and the other cdm is going to come back and get involved in the defensive phase but slightly later can actually be more useful than two cdms who sit but don't necessarily sit in positions that you're familiar with and actually, for a similar reason, particularly in the 3-5-2 with the right mid and left mid often disappearing, I would discourage people from using cover wing just because, again, you don't have that consistency in terms of your defensive shape. We have, though, I realise Duck rambled on a lot and you need to go. Hopefully that was at least somewhat helpful for you. No, that's that's useful. That's really useful. Good, good. Definitely some stuff for me to implement. Nice. And hopefully plenty of that stuff was also useful for the listeners too because I think... A lot of the advice there from Stephen Japes, you know, definitely can be applied beyond the 352. Uh, very useful stuff. But Duck, yeah, huge thanks for joining us on the pod. Shame you can't stick around, but I know you've got places to be, wisdom to impart, ponds to visit, <laughs> and uh, much more, I'm sure. Thank you for having me again, and I will make sure to catch up on everything listening back to you guys when it's mm. all up and ready. Top man. Well, you can catch Duck on Twitter, I'm a duck quack with two k's at the end there and you can hear more from duck on the full content pod which has insight into the road to the final team what the market is looking like around road to the final 
and beyond, as well as a review of that road to the final Kunde and a number of other interesting content related insights as well. You can get that along with double the amount of bonus podcast content and enter the 12,000 FIFA point giveaway this month for just £3 a month. You'll be supporting the pod, keeping it going, and you can do that over at bit.ly slash 21 pod points two. So that's bit.ly slash 21 pod points two. But another great thing to tell you about with lockdown underway in the UK, what better time to have been sponsored by Beer 52? Yes, they're giving the opportunity for our listeners to get a free crate of eight craft beers, a copy of Ferment magazine and a snack for just the cost of postage, which is $5.95. The crate is normally worth £24. It doesn't take a map for trading or a duck to work out that that's fantastic value. So if you want that free crate of craft beers, then head over to beer52.com slash foot. So that's beer52.com slash F-U-T, where you can take advantage of that offer and get yourself some beers for lockdown. And actually, it's particularly good timing too, because Beer 52's 150,000 strong legion of members rate the beer they receive each month. And this month, the case is a collection of the highest rated beers over the last 12 months. So it's the best of the best. As I said, head over to beer52.com forward slash foot to take advantage of that. Obviously 18 plus only and drink responsibly. Right, let's get back into the pod. With all of the savings I get when I drive, I'm having the time of my life. Drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. So one thing I wanted to bring up here is connection. And obviously this has had a lot of focus because of the change in ping. Because of a visual error, they were just showing your ping to the server and now they're showing your ping coming back as well. So obviously it's higher and I suppose that's got people thinking about this. And I should actually do a quick plug here for the connection for information podcast if you are a supporter definitely listen to that if you haven't already and you can find all those for information podcasts very informative of course over at bit.ly slash foot information so that's bit.ly slash f-u-t information and what i say quite clearly there is how important not just the ping being low is but also that the fluctuation in your ping isn't big when you're waiting there in the lobby to go into a game This has been particularly notable for me because I moved, I changed ISPs to an ISP which is theoretically way faster. Well, it is way faster. The download speed is way higher. But the ping is way less stable. If I'm in the lobby, it's now fluctuating between, say, 12 and 28 MS. Whereas previously, back when I was at my old place, I was looking at a solid maybe 12 to 14 MS Sometimes, yes, it go up to 16. Sometimes it might go beyond, but I'd be able to avoid those games generally. But what that now means for me in terms of the ping fluctuation is that I've just got that much more inconsistency in terms of how my inputs register because the ping is sending my button presses to the server in an inconsistent way compared to how it used to be. And in that foot information pod, we do talk more about improving ping and getting that consistency and doing what you can on your end to improve things. 
But ultimately, it does, of course, change a bit game to game and day to day. And I'd really encourage people to hold on in that lobby for as long as possible to try and get that ping as consistent as can be. But my own connection frustrations aside, I think I did definitely see more complaints, I guess, out there on social media, etc., compared to maybe past weekends people putting it down to the latest patch which is this classic uh, new patch mythology that forms but I think for me it's as much to do with a bigger bulk of players becoming more familiar with the techniques that are japes going to frustrate people the most and we haven't yet found the counters to those which will come I think. Yeah, like I think there's that too, but I also think we're at the stage in the game where people are no longer playing with super budget options at the back. Yeah, that's true. Um, true. Not only are they getting more comfortable in figuring out which formations like and, you know, kind of feeling out the meta, but now the frequency at which you're coming up against Joe Gomez, right, or players like that is 90 plus percent of the time. Whereas maybe it was like 50% before. So you might have a few games that felt, you know, a little tricky or a little challenging before. But now everybody is getting to the point where squads have improved. The amount of meta players you're playing against has improved. And the tactics that people are, you know, working out for what works for them is like they've had time to adapt and adjust. And so for me, I don't like I haven't noticed it huge change there but i can see why it would feel like a bigger change if you know you you're starting to come up against these super meta defenders more often and people using those meta defenders with meta tactics that that is a really good point and one interesting thing i learned and uh, this is one of those moments where i'm like everyone you know if you're in the bath and you're nodding off listen up because this is uh, something that will make a difference one of those things again they need to be more time out time out if you are a foot weekly listener and you listen to the podcast in the bath i need you to let ben know <laughs> wait Steve, i used to do it all the time because because <laughs> i just wait when you are you saying bath as far as like you run like an actual bath that you fill up the tub and you get in or are you saying like the shower yeah, yeah. Bath, i don't know like yeah. that, that was my baths? chosen method of listening oh in the uk people love a bath yeah really I can't remember the last time that I took a bath. Oh, yeah, I've duck out of a job, Japes. <laughs> I watched many of your Path to Power videos in the bath, Japes. Interesting. I'll let my wife know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, basically, just a heads up that this is uh, important info. And uh, again, one of those things, they need to like share these things more widely and they need to be putting out pitch notes that clearly explain all these things because they're really important. But look, my understanding is that with Jockey, when you hold your LT and RT, that mobility you get in that situation is a consequence of that player's defensive awareness, not their agility and balance, right? Oh, oh! I didn't even know that. That is a spicy take. It and is. Another reason why players like, all right, Nick Lima, we talked about him briefly on the mm. content pod, the left back for the MLS that was released. I looked at his agility and reactions, 87, 85, and I could not figure out when I jockeyed with him why he felt so clunky. And it's because his awareness is in the low 80s, even with Cam. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it makes such a difference when you think about it like that. And it makes sense in some ways because, right, Varane is clearly amazing at jockeying, but you can't lie. He's in real life, not the most agile and well-balanced when he's on the ball. So the idea there to make defensive players who have high defensive awareness actually feel very good in the jockey makes a lot of sense 
what that also means is people may be thinking the defensive assistance is really high now, but that might actually be partly because people are using centre-backs with high defensive awareness and so they feel much harder to beat or more difficult to manoeuvre around because their jockeying is stronger. But it does, interestingly, Japes, lead me to think about that conversation we had about Sol Campbell, right? And how he could be really good this year. And I think a few people have actually tried him as a result of us talking about him and and did say he's really, really good. Yeah, so I... that makes sense. I went out and used him as well, and I really, really liked him. The ultimate reason that he's not in my squad now is because the man cannot play a pass in the air to save his life. (laughs) And with the way that I play... I oftentimes, like if I'm getting pressed, oftentimes I'll ask my center backs to hit a long ball to my left wing or right wing just into space down the line if somebody's pressing me and see if I can't let my right wing or left wing run onto it. And Sol Campbell would send that into, as you guys like to say, Rosette. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You would just send it into the crowd and... I got super fed up with it and super sick of it because he was a center back where if I got pressed, he was unable to play out or through the press. But as a defensive stalwart in the middle of a back three or something like that, he was really, really solid for me. He, it, yeah, if you're not someone who's maybe as reliant on the passing out the back, you probably would be a good option. Before we move too far away from the connection issues, there's just something that I want to come in with here because... I feel that there's a danger of just perhaps glossing over it and not paying it the the real weight that, it's, mm, that yeah, it yeah, deserves. It's it's something that I've experienced to a horrific degree this weekend for the not for the first time I guess, but to to this extent certainly. And I think there's a danger that um, for people who haven't experienced it, it's all too easy to say, well, you know, it's it's perhaps not down to delay. It's because you're facing better squads or because people have become better players. I, I know what my own ability is. I know that I faced several teams, several players that I should have absolutely wiped the floor with this weekend. And because they were seemingly getting the gameplay momentarily ahead of me, there was absolutely nothing that I could do. And it's something that I've learned is very real. It's not this sort of fantasy problem that people who need to, you know, quote unquote, get good. Uh, it's not something that they moan about because they're bad players. Um, I started at eight and one and then just hit a bad server where all of a sudden every team that I faced seemed to be Dutch. I don't know how many times I saw the PSV Eindhoven badge. Uh, I messaged a few people. I mentioned to Ben actually that, that I did finally match somebody who had a Grimsby Town crest and the Grimsby Town kit. And I thought, well, that's great. You know, I'm sort of on the East Coast. That's not too far away. And the game was trash. So I messaged the guy afterwards and lo and behold, he was the Grimsby Town um, eSport pro, and he was from Holland. So it was just <laughs> an absolute nightmare. Um, and there was, there was nothing I could do about it. You just you hit this slide, the game is out of your control, and it, it needs addressing because there are people out there that are, that are having their experience spoiled um, on, a, on a regular basis by this. I mean, it has occurred to me in kind of mitigation that, the UK is now in lockdown, so there was probably an unprecedented number of people playing um, that were on the servers this weekend. Um, mm. Maybe that's the case because I know that a lot of people experienced it who ordinarily wouldn't, perhaps. So maybe that's an explanation. But uh, I, I think it's time to sort of move on from this idea that 
there are people out there who are just complaining and using a bad connection as an excuse because uh, I, I can vouch for it a hundred percent. It's very much a thing, and it's it's really unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's totally the case. And you know, the thing that we got last year, which was that connection monitoring stuff. So there was the overlay, which was being rolled out to a select group. But I think they were planning to release it more widely at some point. Um, was very helpful. I found it useful for understanding your connection issues and. There was also the connection indicators, which we discuss in depth on that connection for information pod, uh, which, although isn't in the game currently, I've no doubt they'll they'll put it back in at some point once it's sort of I don't know, calibrated or whatever for FIFA 21, because um, it was clearly something they were working on at the time. And, and then I was going to drop something like that. Um, a lot of people fed back that it was very useful. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, this weekend, people have complained more so than ever. And I think possibly the combination of people building up enough points to enter weekend league around this time at all different levels and the fact that as you said uk and lockdown is going to increase the number of people on the servers in the uk and and uh is going to have a, an impact as you say for sure one thing just to maybe possibly help i always find that you know restarting a router can help but also actually just closing your connection to the ea servers so maybe like quitting the game and rebooting it I think that the way it picks up what server it wants to put you on is when you connect to the EA servers, basically, right? So you could end up being stuck on a not-so-good server for a bit, and only once you reconnect to the EA servers would it put you onto a, another one. I don't know how it assigns those things, but I guess it's possible, Steve, that you got on and uh, it couldn't put you on the uh, UK servers for whatever reason, and so it put you on... Uh, continental server in Europe and that would explain a lot so I think that's you know again maybe something to look out for yeah I mean my, my initial thought was you know look I've, I've connected to a, a, the Amsterdam server that that seems to be the most logical explanation but that said thinking it through there's nothing to say that I wasn't actually connected to the London server and a lot of people in Holland were actually connecting to that you know that's just as plausible as the idea that I'm connecting to the to the Amsterdam mm. server, but it was it was a nuisance. And the, the one thing I, I can't really let this go without sharing something that happened as well. I I, I took the choice of changing my kit and team crest to, to Sunderland, the, the team that I support, unfortunately. And I happened to match a guy, lo and behold, uh, wearing the Newcastle strip and with <laughs> the the Newcastle badge during this this horrible lag that I had. Oh man. And, and he had this this really bad Bundesliga team. I mean, just really bad. And um, he beat me. And <laughs> I, I was Is that when you stopped playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the controller's still in one piece, but only just. And I, I was just kind of sitting there waiting for the for the message to drop. And <laughs> and after a few seconds, it did. And um, it reads, "You sad Macam bastard, Mbappe and Neymar in your team, and I smashed you like Mansfield did." You ought to be ashamed. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so yeah, that was pleasant. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic. Well, I think one thing we should move on to, which does somewhat relate to connection, in that, as is mentioned here in this question from As Gurka, it is much more difficult when your connection is poor, and that is dealing with people playing a really high and intense press both Vergeland and A.S. Gurkha ask about this. And I have to say, I think I've seen many more people do this in Weekend League than I perhaps would have in previous FIFAs, as it is more effective. So I was wondering what your advice would be, both of you, to people who are struggling to deal with high press, as I know many people have mentioned that they are. Japes, do you want to kick us off here? 
Yeah, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I have no problem hoofing it from time to time. If I if I am playing against truly an elite player that is doing a great job of pressing, much like in real football, when you're playing against an elite squad that's doing a great job of pressing, sometimes it's just best to kick it out and relieve some of the pressure that way and force them to either build up again or if you have, you know, if you're playing a 4-3-3 type formation like I am or if you're playing a 4-4-2 and you have... Uh, a left mid or right mid on the opposite side of the pitch that might be able to exploit an outside back or a striker that might be able to exploit a center back that's up pressing. You can play a um, LBY or L1 triangle pass over the top if your defenders are good at the back. And I find this year, this is the first FIFA that I have ever felt like the kicking stat was important on my goalkeeper for the way that I play. And so when I don't play with Manuel Neuer in my squad, I actually notice it. And I notice it when I get pressed because oftentimes I'll go back to the keeper and have Neuer ping a long ball out to the opposite side. But I think really what you're trying to do in many ways when people press you is you're just trying to exploit one error in their press. And if you can do that, you oftentimes will have a player that's checking towards you that you can find it and you can beat the press very, very quickly. So I I think the... You know, the key in a lot of these situations is to not get cute and play it safe more often than not. But the other thing that I'd note is a lot of people set up their midfield with players like Musa Sissoko that maybe are not particularly agile on the ball or have like really nice dribbling stats. And players like that are easier to press because you know that they're not going to really beat you on the dribble with like a quick turn or a shifty movement. So, you know, if you have players in your midfield that are tricky-ish attackers that are quite good with the ball at their feet, you can oftentimes do a shift from one side to the other and beat the press rather quickly that way. And so finding the feet of players like that that are good with the ball at their feet is important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really true. Uh, and Steve, what do you have to add on that? Well, there are a few basic things that you can do to increase your your odds of successfully getting out of the press. But that said, uh, pro players that I work with are struggling like hell at times to to get through it. It's, and anybody who says that there's a fail safe system that you know if you do this or do that that you're going to cope with the press fine, it's it's just not the case. It's it's incredibly powerful. But to increase your chances, I mean. It's risky and you'll probably fill your pants a few times doing it, but what you want to be doing really is drawing your press or drawing the opponent's press rather as close to you as you possibly can. So if you have the nerve to play it back to your goalkeeper and invite the press on, that will create more space in front of the keeper and you can play balls over the top of it. The other thing that you need to do is make the playing area as big as possible. So you can hug the sidelines on your D-pad and that just gives you a bit more space to operate in. And you need to be playing a wide formation. So in your custom tactics, have something like the 4-4-2, 4-1-4-1, anything like that. And as Jape said, look to get the ball out to your players wide. And through balls, lobbed through balls are, are very much the way ahead because what you'll find when somebody instigates a team press, their players will mark your players. They will get goal side of them so that if you're looking to play a pass to them, the defender will between be between your player and the ball. So if you're mm. trying to play anything into feet, it's going to get intercepted. So you've got to go over the top. Absolutely essential. Yeah, I think you've both covered that really well. I don't think there's too much else to add from me. And 
I would say, yeah, I agree. I think it's a bit strong. I do think we'll probably see some kind of nerf at some point. So although you should definitely get to grips with it, it's probably worth considering that if you're completely reliant on press, then that might be slightly less effective going forward at some point when and if it does get patched. Saying all that, you know, I do think that people who are pressing at the moment shouldn't stop doing it because we might see changes. It's fantastic to see it strong and I think it is a lot of fun. Uh, it makes the game more enjoyable. And that was something that I took into my weekend league really because I knew that connection wasn't going to be great this weekend from early on. And um, I'd been trying out this new skill move or flare shot, I guess. It's basically a rainbow flick scorpion lob, I'd say. Actually, just after I'd done it uh, later this weekend, um, Kazooie put out a video explaining how to do it. And it's not too difficult to execute, but it looks amazing. It's basically a way of lobbing the keeper with a scorpion kick, which you flick up a bit like a rainbow flick. So the way you do it is with a rainbow flick to start with. So that's back and then forward but then you quickly almost instantly well basically instantly execute a flare lob so that's left trigger lt and lb or l1 and that will do the lob uh, instantly as the rainbow flick starts to happen it looks really really good and it was so satisfying and honestly it made me realize you know learning these kind of skills just really is a satisfying thing and something that I'd really encourage people to do. And it's not just about skills, right? I was thinking about off the ball runs, creative runs, etc. Jakes, we talked about that last week. Have you experimented with that a bit more? So I use it all the time in friendlies because people are oftentimes not using your Verons and Joe Gomez's of the world. And mm. it makes it a little bit easier to exploit uh, how that works. But I've been using it a lot where, you know, to the point, once you get like a few meters of space with the midfielder after a quick, like one, two or something, and your CM's rushing forward, oftentimes I will switch, use the lock, flick the right stick, switch to whoever my striker is and try to make a run into space, um, hmm. to try to draw the center backs out even more. But it's, it's a really, really fun addition and, like when you go into weekend league and you play against a player that has been working on this, that is a top, top player, it is tricky to defend. You have to mm. like relearn what you thought you knew from a defensive decision-making standpoint when it's executed correctly. So I will continue pressing forward with trying to utilize this in friendlies. But I find what's tricky is in weekend league or even in division one, to many extents where I like the gameplay is just faster based on the level, like the rating of the players that are getting used. So they're all high rated teams with high paced players across the board. I find that I'm maybe not quick enough to use it in an appropriate manner. And so oftentimes I end up losing possession. Whereas in friendlies when there's not this like crazy pace across the board, but I feel like I'm going to get to a stage where I can pull the, you know, the trick out of the bag of tricks and it's going to win me a game or two in the long run. I completely agree. And I think it's also one of those things that just feels very satisfying to execute successfully. And actually talking of which, just to clarify, the way you're doing it is lock to the player by pressing in the two sticks and then flicking using the right stick off the player and then making the run. That's correct. 
Yeah, I just wanted to confirm that because I think a lot of people didn't think about using that method initially, but that definitely feels like the most effective way of doing it. One thing that I'd like to add just before we move on from the player lock is that I get all kinds of crazy DMs on a, on a daily basis. And a few days ago, I got one from somebody who said, uh, really excited, obviously, from the tone of the message saying, uh, this is it. I've, I've, I've solved the riddle of FIFA. I, I know exactly how to, to get easy wins now. Um, it's all to do with player lock. And they they sent me a clip where they'd initiated an entire attack from start to end where they just, they used player lock every single time. So they passed the ball and immediately switched to player lock, passed it again, switched again, passed, switched, and scored what was actually a, a really, really good goal. Hmm. So perhaps that is cause for hope, but it's one of the craziest things that I've seen for a long time. So basically they were controlling all the players off the ball Exactly, controlling the players on it. They, they um, were attacking without the ball. It, it was nuts. Oh, that's really fascinating. Well, you know, all of that exciting experimenting to uh, come over the next few weeks, no doubt. And uh, you'll hear it all on the pod um, as we hear about these things develop. I think there's plenty of fascinating uh, mechanics to be revealed. And if you can find them out and you want to experiment, then uh, definitely Life at Friendlies is such a good opportunity to do that. And I'll say that again because I think it's really true. And uh, yeah, I, I really think life at friendlies has been a great addition and the only complaint actually just on that that a few people sent in this week was that obviously you can't play co-op there and they've added co-op this year but because rivals is almost a little bit redundant because of the cap if you're playing weekend league of course it means that actually there aren't that many places maybe apart from squad battles where you know your better players or more committed players who play weekend league would end up playing co-op um i would really like to see them and i don't know whether they'd even be able to do this mid-cycle add co-op into life at friendlies because i think lots of people would be doing it if you could do those objectives co-op people would be all over it so it's just a little public call there for maybe them to to look at that and and try and implement that because otherwise i think co-op will somewhat fall by the wayside for the more committed players but other than that i think that's where we wrap up the gameplay pod so if you would like more chats and you'd like to hear some in-depth analysis of the recent content and what's to come, including Road to the Final Market Thoughts, Road to the Final Kunde Review, the SBC chat, plenty, plenty more on top of that too. You can catch that all over on the content pod, which is currently out. And if you're a supporter, it will be in your feed. If not, you can sign up to support the pod just three pounds a month and you get double the amount of podcast content actually even more than double it's five extra podcast episodes including the icon roundtable which is being recorded this weekend each month and of course you're supporting the pod and keeping it going you can join up to that and enter the giveaway at bit.ly slash 21 pod points two so that's bit.ly slash 21 pod points two so yeah, a huge, huge thank you to James for coming on this week. Really appreciate you stopping by and great to see you know those consistent streams and Saturday and maybe Sunday sometimes too. Uh, it's been Saturday and Sunday for both uh, of the last two weekends mm. and will be for this weekend as oh, well. Right. So the 14th and 15th of November and then the 21st and 22nd, I'll be out of town. So there'll be no streams that weekend, but that's twitch.tv slash FIFA, And you can tweet me uh, at airjapes as well and let me know how things are going for you. If you have any specific questions on something that I said, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy to chat. So Ben, a pleasure to be on the pod as always. Cheers, Japes. And uh, to Steve, um, where can people find you, catch up with you? And also, you know, we get some coaching sessions as well. 
People can find me, as always, at The Foot Coach on Twitter. Um, feel free to send me crazy DMs if you like. <laughs> um, and also a reminder that if you're serious about getting better at FIFA and having a lot of fun on the way, you might want to check out my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Foot Academy. Great. Thanks, Steve. And thank you, listener, for joining us this week. Don't miss out on that free beer if you're UK and 18 plus. Beer52.com forward slash foot. So that's beer52.com forward slash foot. And finally then, thanks to Beer52 for supporting the pod. And of course, a huge thanks to all you supporters and those icon patrons. Dave B, DJ FIFA player, Coach Vass, Hugh J, Thomas, Alan G, Hunter B, Alistair, Martin M, Matt L, Liam B, Harry P, Sam B, Adam G, Neil P, David S, Robbie S, Andrew C, Tom B, Jordan, Paul S, Yannick H, Stephen F, Eric T, Dominic G, Christopher R, Damon H, Jonathan P, Elliot M, Lee A, Paul, Johan P, Dominic, Rob P, Michael, Sila P, James P, Mikael L, Nishant, Dodgy Aussie, Anthony R, Also Ran, Jeff B, Stephen M, Roger D, Dan W, Bronco, Matt H, Alan M, and Savage P. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Before I leave you, I just wanted to say that, well, FIFA is a bit like life, really. It has its many ups and its many downs. And if you are having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice and support, or even just a chat available to anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, I'll catch you next time. See you later, Doug. Quack, quack. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.